I mean, what's that football focus doing? Last week they had Brady. This week they got Brady. We're doing it. We're literally doing it differently from everybody else. Hey, as a matter of fact, moving forward from this point on, I will not make reference to PML. Ready to get into it? Yeah, yeah. All right. We're going team by team. I will be very careful about slinging stuff. Am I going to get sued? We got legal on this? Yeah, I like football, I like football season, and all the things that go with it. Welcome in to the PFF NFL podcast, Steve Palazzolo, Sam Monson. We're live on YouTube and we're back and ready to fix your teams in the AFC and NFC North. We're going to do it in five minutes or more. Yeah. And Likely fixed, more. Fixed-ish. 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 We're going to give some suggestions. Five minutes-ish. A lot we're of just ish. Gonna talk. We're just going to talk through every team's situation. Fresh off winning our uh, Neil Hornsby Lead the Way Award. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Congratulations to the PFF NFL podcast for winning that award. We're an award-winning podcast now. Correct, yeah. I we mean, it, can. Admittedly, it was an award we claimed ourselves. So, listen. The process is a little bit sketchy. But, is it an award? Sure. Yes. Did we win it as a podcast? Yes. We're an award-winning podcast here. PFF NFL podcast. We can now push it as such. We've also uh, reached our charity goal. Thanks, we did. Thanks to an anonymous donation of $135, who I assume did it just to shut us up. Um, just to but thank, it. thank you anyway. Close the tab. We yeah. appreciate it. So we've now made it. Uh, now I need to continually nag the professional rugby player in the midst of the biggest uh, tournament. I'm going to do drop kicks like that and stuff? Sure. Uh, in the midst of you know a pretty important international tournament right now to kindly please give us videos. Uh, and also the the kit that we're going to be wearing is supposedly on the way again can't wait it went missing the first time so the (laughs) kind people have sent us a second package so hopefully those two things will work out and then we'll be able to get you know the location and then we'll be able to make you look a fool looking forward to it Uh uh-huh i'm just tweeting out that we're live so everybody knows okay come check it out so anyway yeah i'm looking forward to them congratulations to me for getting to do rugby stuff, but mm. really congratulations to everybody, to everybody yeah. for contributing, donating, and being a part. And for getting to see this. Of the charity. And for getting to see it, yeah. We're, we're all winners here, especially me. Anyway, if you guys watched yesterday's episode, AFC and NFC East have been fixed. Mm-hmm. We're a quarter of the way through the league. We'll be halfway through by the end of the show, which we have to get going because we got hard outs here. we got to get out of here. So uh, quick reminder that the PFF NFL podcast is sponsored by Western and Southern Financial Group. While you focus on your roster moves, Western and Southern helps advance your money moves. Buying your first homes, planning to start a family, wondering how to make your money grow, Western and Southern's playbook of life insurance, investment, and retirement solutions helps you rest assured on game day. Team up to understand needs and address goals with a game plan built just for you. Get started at westernsouthern.com slash PFF. Threw it out there at the beginning. You weren't ready, Tyler. You didn't know I was going to start at the beginning with that. Who knows when it's coming? Never it's know. Just, it's just a lottery. Every now and again, talk about our friends. Going to start talking about Western Southern. Yeah, our friends at Western Southern. All right, let's get to it. Fixing every team in five minutes. The quick history, once again, we were jokingly going to try to do this in five minutes. It's going to take way longer than that. We dedicate eight teams per show, and we're going to start in the AFC North with the Baltimore Ravens. The biggest offseason question mark here, of course, is the Lamar Jackson saga. Starting to get a little bit closer to. Franchise tag deadline time, mm-hmm. Lamar Jackson officially becoming a free agent. The longer we go, is it more likely that Lamar Jackson's not a Baltimore Raven for this season and beyond? Yeah, I mean, I guess it has to be, right? The longer it drags on, the more the prospect of him 
being moved somewhere else becomes the thing. I mean, as soon as he's signed long term, obviously that disappears. So, um, yeah, like it's it does. The longer it does drag, the more it becomes an issue. I think it makes sense that it's been a bit of an impasse. I mean, we said this yesterday show that the starting point of every quarterback negotiation at this stage has got to be Deshaun Watson's contract. I want five years fully guaranteed at 200 plus million dollars. And if you're the Baltimore Ravens, you can understand why they were reluctant to go there, right? Like you've been, you've missed significant time in each of the last two seasons. You stylistically are a quarterback that exposes himself to hits more than other quarterbacks, not as many as maybe people think he does or as, as many as certain other quarterbacks, but he does take more hits than prototypical pocket passers that aren't going to run around and, you know, try and juke linebackers, et cetera, et cetera. So you can kind of understand why the Ravens are a little bit reluctant to go crazy with the contract. And if that's the battle line, I, I don't know how it's getting resolved anytime soon. Yeah, I did mention on yesterday's show, we talked about um, Bryce Young's size and all that stuff, or maybe a couple shows ago. Lamar Jackson has been very durable until the last two years, right? He has, um, and there were kind of weird injuries. It wasn't like he's getting leveled all the time or anything like that. But yeah, when you run that much, you're going to take a few more hits than someone who's getting rid of the ball. Um, so my question, I think, for the Ravens is, I think they understand the value of Lamar Jackson, what he's done for their offense, how he affects their run game. They've built everything around him. They do have Todd Monken coming in, Monken coming in for uh, as offensive coordinator now. Does that, which is a huge variable here, does that signal change at the quarterback position or just schematically? Monken's got a pretty interesting history. He was kind of like an up and coming coordinator, was the head coach at Southern Miss, coordinated the Bucks for a couple of years in 2016. 17 and 18 and in 18 they had that like ryan fitzpatrick random breakout season where he was incredible but in 2019 he was the oc for the browns in the freddie kitchen year which was terrible mm -hmm. and then he goes to georgia where they're unstoppable both offensively and defensively but the georgia where they're just unstoppable and now todd mockin is the uh offensive coordinator here in baltimore how does that affect the lamar jackson situation yeah i mean this is the first time that we're going to see somebody else running this offense from the inception point from when they designed this whole thing in a back room while Joe Flacco was the starting quarterback running a normal NFL offense and they had drafted Lamar Jackson and they understood that this was not going to work just plugging him into a regular system at least not right away now the question becomes all right we're a few years into this now now can he step into a conventional NFL offense plus whatever the value he adds on the ground is or you know, to what extent can Munkin modify his ideal offense to accommodate the fact that he has this special rushing threat at quarterback and a guy that does different things to most other quarterbacks out there. This is going to be a really interesting year. And I think because of that, we've all of a sudden thrown this like massive question mark into this whole situation. I wonder if the inevitable outcome to this isn't franchise tag again. So the, the thing we've also mentioned... And by again, I mean... We're know, in danger of spending Daniel the entire Jackson. show on Lamar. I mean, it's, but it's like the biggest... One of the biggest stories of the season. Because Lamar Jackson isn't just a story for the Ravens. It's a QB domino to fall. The teams that we talked about yesterday needing quarterbacks, the Jets, the Commanders, the Giants, right? Those teams, if Lamar Jackson is franchise tagged, are going to call up the Ravens and say, do you want the two firsts for Lamar Jackson? So that, how likely is that as a scenario, the tag and trade 
for the Ravens. And I, we always paint the Ravens as a forward-looking franchise and all that stuff. And we always talk about the broad strokes of you either lock up a great quarterback or you work on the first contract quarterback with the Ravens, try to grab a top 10 pick, restart at the position at quarterback around their good roster and then invest in other places. Is that like a, an actual possibility here in these next couple of weeks? It, I think it is. I mean, here's the thing. There's a few different possibilities. There's one, they the Ravens eventually cave or the negotiations get close enough that they end up getting a long-term deal done brinksmanship type of thing the, the longer we get to the deadline the the faster the action becomes and maybe they get a deal worked out then there's the idea of okay you franchise tag him um todd munkin coming in is an unknown lamar's health is an unknown how he's going to play in this new system is an unknown there's a lot of question marks and maybe we want to see him play for one more year and figure out what that actually looks like in a different offense than the greg roman system that he's been running since he came in here i think that's a reasonable outcome and if he's terrible in that offense, it's probably indicative that you don't want to go on with him. He, he'll still have some kind of trade value. There'll be teams out there that will still, I think, value him a lot to be able to go back to a Greg Roman type of offense and plug him into it and still be good. So I think he still, you could tra uh, tag him again next year and trade him away. I think that would still work. Then you have the option of tag and trade now of we put the franchise tag on him and we listen to the offers and see what comes in and we reboot the whole thing right this minute. Um, but I think all three of those are reasonably live options right now. I think the, I mean, just, that's just purely from a team standpoint. The, the tricky part of all of this is Lamar Jackson playing uh, or being his own agent and how likely is he even to play under the franchise tag? Or, you know, how does, how does that end up working out? I think if you were just looking from a pure business standpoint, I mean, I would try to lock up Lamar first, and if you, you know, hit a wall there, the franchise tag that you described was great. But we've seen players more than ever take control of their situation when they're supposed to get paid. Kyler Murray, Instagram, all that stuff last year. I don't know if Lamar Jackson's going to be accepting a franchise tag. Then you're in a, then you have bigger issues. So I just yeah. think the closer we get, a tag and trade feels like not the most likely outcome, but a much more likely outcome than I had anticipated. People talk about ago. that a lot. Like, you know, why would a guy play on the franchise tag? Why won't he just, like, like number one. As you just said in the chat, because it's $32 million. And the, yeah, and this is a guy whose contract up until now has been worth like $9 million, right? So he hasn't had the big payday yet. Okay, $9 million is not jump change. You know, you or I, that would be quite a big payday. But he hasn't had the life-changing... The, not, the generational wealth money that you get with a second contract in the NFL. He hasn't got that yet. So $32 million dangle in front of a guy is pretty in, pretty good incentive for one year. Um, and it doesn't necessarily change anything. I mean, Kirk Cousins showed the approach that you can take of you can, that's in a way, the ideal way of working this is to take the money, back yourself, do it again, keep going and just keep racking up increments of this fully guaranteed money and you're fine. Um, I also think that we're not, you don't see a ton of guys hold out and sit out for any period of time. The fines for doing it through training camp, et cetera, are egregious now and make it almost prohibitive, but you would have to take that all the way through the season and really call somebody's bluff. And I don't know that, that necessarily does them any favors either. So I suspect that, if Lamar Jackson gets franchise tagged, he will either play or get traded away. Like the, the fact it's, it's not, I don't think that's particularly 
likely option that they franchise tag him and he goes, that's so insulting, I'm going to sit out for the next year. I just don't think that's likely. What would you do if you're the Ravens? Would you, I mean, if you had a four-year deal close to fully guaranteed, would you, would you do that if you're the Ravens? A four-year fully guaranteed deal? I wouldn't Close wanna, to fully, you know, something in that range. I wouldn't want to give him much guarantee, much, I wouldn't want to tie, I would like a lot of assurances if I'm the Ravens before I'm yeah. giving him any kind of contract. So, the thing that, we always talk about the Mahomes and Allen one as 10 years and flexibility and all that stuff. The thing you're selling there is like, hey man, we're gonna, you're gonna get your money, you're gonna get your half a billion, but you're gonna give us flexibility so you can win, build your legacy and all that stuff. Can you play this legacy game with Lamar and say, don't, you know, hamstring us with guaranteed money, but, you know, let's create some flexibility and get you paid at the same time and also go out and win. Yeah, I think there are enough questions about Lamar Jackson um, because it's been so unique within this offense of what does this look like in a different offense? What does it look like if we finally give him the number one wide receiver that he's never had, you know, in his defense? Um, is he Has he started a run of injury worries that are going to linger and be a thing going forward for a guy? Like, this is the fear that teams have always had about athletic, rushing, value-add quarterbacks. Is all right, but those guys have a shorter shelf life. And and we know from running backs in the NFL that, that those guys have a career of five years and then they're done. Like that's, that's the only amount of punishment you can take. Obviously, Lamar Jackson isn't a running back and he, he doesn't even take the same kind of punishment of those guys, up, but he's closer to that or he's, he's moving in that direction as opposed to, you know, Tom Brady who could spend – like Tom Brady in 23 years has probably taken less hits than Lamar Jackson has in his first four years of his career. So – it is a thing to start looking at this and saying, how likely is it that we're going to get 17 games of Lamar Jackson for the next five straight years? Which is the question that Baltimore has to be asking if they're going to say, all right, five years, $250 million guaranteed. Like, that's, that's the sort of basic cost-benefit analysis here. I, I'm just curious if, I, if we could be a fly on the wall in those discussions, how much the Ravens are not scared of going to the next quarterback. Right, like we said that we had a good discussion about Daniel Jones and the Giants yesterday, and it's like, I mean, if the price is too high, you can move on, right? You can move on and say, we'll figure it out. Like, Brian, Dayball, you could figure this out with another quarterback. It's a lot harder for the Ravens to do that. It is a lot scarier and riskier going, you know, saying, okay, we just had our franchise quarterback for five years. We're going to go play it again. We're going to go play that game again. Even if there's an advantage on rookie contract quarterbacks, it's when that guy is good. Yeah. You don't want to let a top eight type of quarterback, a guy that can carry your offense out of the building. Lamar Jackson is one of those guys, mm -hmm. right? Even if he doesn't have the passing stats since his MVP season, we know the gravity that he has in the run game and how he elevates an offense. So, <laughs> And by the way, just that, you know, since his MVP season, I mean. He was an MVP, right? right. It's I mean, a very not, different conversation from Daniel Jones, who like had one surprisingly quite good season to we're talking about an actual MVP here. And he was unanimous, right, that year, even though. May have been. Or was it 49 votes? I think it was, it was unanimous. Um, even if, you know, I, you can make the case for Russell Wilson that year, I think. But whatever. He's, a, he's an MVP, either unanimous or with 49 votes. And that's a far cry from anything we've seen from Daniel Jones. It is a very different conversation. All right. So I'm going to predict there's a franchise tag involved. And there may even be a trade. But there's definitely a franchise tag in involved. Yeah, well, there kind of has to be at this point almost. <laughs> we're, yeah. We're getting down to it. 
We are getting down to it. So franchise tag, maybe they end up trading him. Let's assume whatever. We, we're going to keep Lamar Jackson for this year. We're going to have him. Elsewhere on the roster, the biggest hole is probably Marcus Peters, starting corner, being a free agent. And um, the other free agents on defense are older players like Justin Houston, Jason Pierre-Paul. And you have guys on the roster, Tyus Bowser, Adafi Owe to fill in for them. So you probably want to add some depth at edge defender. Offensively, you need a starting guard. Four-fifths of the offensive line is back. And then as far as needs go, you mentioned earlier, let's get some receivers here. Assuming it's going to be a different offense, it's going to be maybe less reliant on a bunch of tight ends. Mark Andrews can still be a star. Let's see what this offense looks like with multiple receivers. I think that has to be in play for the Ravens, both in free agency where they have some money, but also in the draft where they only have five picks. First one is at 22 overall. Yeah, they they do have a a chunk of money, so they can spend in free agency. Um, Yeah, they... As is usually the case with Baltimore, they're they're not in a bad place from a roster construction standpoint. Like they they tend to do this quite well, so they don't have a ton of glaring issues or needs. The biggest one is obviously what happens at quarterback. Um, they have restocked edge rusher in the draft the last couple of years. They need that to work out because of these old guys presumably being let walk. Maybe they, they reload a little bit with those with more older guys. You know, let's change the old guys that we have kicking around. But Adafi Owe, David Ajabo was obviously a kind of red shirt last year. Got back onto the field, True. but yeah. was drafted for 2023 and beyond, not for 2022. So uh, Ajabo showing that he can actually be a legitimate pass rusher in the NFL would be huge. Incredible depth there that they've built, right? As Those young guys as their backups. You could probably add a little bit more defensive line depth. But again, Travis Jones was a, what, a third-rounder last year, guy that was getting first-round hype, third or fourth round. Uh, they have bodies there. So where do you go at receiver? Let's wrap up the Ravens right now, but what do you do at receiver? Is uh, Are they calling in uh, OBJ? I don't know if Jacoby Myers is the fit there. I always view if a team that's going to run that much as we want more you know field-stretching speed types. So what's the play here for the Ravens yeah I mean they're not say flowers could be a guy in the first they're not in a terrible spot they have obviously Mark Andrews is their number one receiver even if he's a tight end Rashad Bateman should be a functional part of a more conventional passing attack as a a number two the guy you want is that sort of star number one wide receiver Um, or just adding bodies and making sure you have a comfortable receiving core because that's the problem is that it's basically Mark Andrews Rashad Bateman, who's been injured and, and struggling a little bit, and then nothing else. So that's the issue more than, like, you need to find your next Julio Jones to get plugged in there. They have spent a couple first-rounders. Marquise Brown, Rashad Bateman. Brown's already been traded. I liked that trade at the time. Even though you lose one of those weapons, he's going to, you know, he's up for contract soon. you got Tyler Linderbaum, essentially, to replace him uh, as a starter on the offense, even though Linderbaum's a playmaking center, not a receiver. So, anyway, I think uh, starting corner, something they have to look at. Maybe another team that's looking at Jamel Dean, potentially. I don't think they go crazy money-wise there, though. And then receiver. I think they have to – you have to see what you can do with this passing offense with Lamar. Yeah, and as much as it's not like a good wide receiver group in free agency, I think there's some players that can, like, be useful parts of a group. Like, if you have – if you're confident in Bateman and um, Mark Andrews, I think you can add two or three guys. You can add the next two on the depth chart and be pretty good in free agency. All right, there we go. Did we fix the Ravens? Yeah, ish. Gave them some suggestions. Again, let's go to the Cincinnati Bengals. 
Our hometown Bengals, they lose in the AFC Championship by three to the Kansas City Chiefs. Back-to-back really impressive seasons. Joe Burrow clearly has turned this whole team around. So now, heading into the offseason, last year we knew the offensive line need to be, needed to be addressed. I thought everything that they did was fantastic. It didn't work out perfectly, and then they got injured down the road. But day one of free agency, it was day one, right? They get Ted Karras and Alex Kappa, um, two guys making about $15 million per year for two starters. That's beautiful. Do more of that. NFL teams that need to fix your offensive line. And then they got Lyle Collins after he got released by the Cowboys. So you still probably need some youth and some depth up there on the offensive line. And then the other big ones, Jesse Bates, finally hitting free agency officially here for the Bengals. So um, got some stuff on the defensive side. And then all of this also needs to consider Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase absolutely need to get paid. And T. Higgins maybe needs to get paid. So how do we account for those big contracts in the coming years? Yeah, they had a really interesting approach to free agency last year, which is they went early at second tier free agents. So usually, you know, the the top guys are the guys there's a flurry of activity around. Everybody's targeting those big names at the, the top. And then later, the smart business tends to be done in day two or three, where you sign the sort of second tier guys that are left after the first guys have gone. Bengals just went, well, why, why wait? It's just if these are the, we only want the second tier guys anyway. We're not going to be involved in the Joe Tooney giant money sweepstakes or whatever. We'll go lower down and get a guy who's, you know, the second tier, much more uh, bargain basement, but we'll be at the front of the queue because everyone's going to wait 24 hours on those guys to see who's left, um, which I think is actually a pretty smart way of doing it. The Lyle Collins one is is the interesting one because that I think was opportunistic. <clears throat> was smart at the time, Collins didn't play that well this year at all. Uh, he was a major upgrade in the run game and is obviously much better than Hakeem Adeniji at right tackle. But, like, his pass protection was pretty rough. Um, and I think if you're the Bengals, you're sort of looking at that and going, did we really fix that spot or is that, does that still need attention? Jonah Williams, we talked about before, had his worst season, gave twelve, gave up 12 sacks, another one in the playoffs, did have a knee injury that he was playing through the entire time as well. But I would say offensive tackle generally is still a fairly major question mark for them that they could certainly keep attacking. The one thing they did well last year, we've talked about other teams future-proofing their roster. The Bengals' first two draft picks last year, Dax Hill can step in at safety theoretically for Jesse Bates if he has to go, and then Cam Taylor-Britt. Taylor their second rounder at corner could step in for Eli Apple, another free agent. So it looks like they have four starters hitting free agency. They might have two immediate fill-ins right there. Right. Also losing Jermaine Pratt and Von Bell as free agents potentially there. So the defensive side of the ball remains solid, right? I mean, it's a, it's a good spot. And we spent all offseason last year just talking about the Bengals, last two years, just talking about the Bengals' offense. Might be another year of that because we're figuring out they need younger tackles. Maybe there's a player there at 28 overall. They could bring in as a tackle, starts as a backup this year, and eventually becomes a starter. But it's going to be a challenge to pay Jonah Williams, who's been an average left tackle, which we always say is valuable, but it's like a, like Riley Reef type yeah. is what Jonah Williams is. Riley Reef was getting $15 million a couple of years ago. It's going to be really tough to keep Jonah Williams at left tackle in the future feels like that. this is where the Bengals need to future-proof their roster is the offensive line, both because they got hurt last year and they need depth, but because 
Next year at this time, it could look like you need two new tackles. Yeah. Um, no, I think they have done a good job of future-proofing. I would expect Dax Hill to start a one safety spot. I would, I think I would try and bring back Von Bell and make sure that you're not getting both safeties hitting, free, leaving at the same time. Um, again, these are always sort of dependent on what the asking price is, but I would definitely be having conversations with Von Bell to see if you can bring him back. I think the same thing with Jermaine Pratt. He had a pretty good year this year, and all of a sudden – Pratt and Logan Wilson, that's a really good linebacker duo. Mike Hilton becomes your sort of slot, your nickel guy. Um, like, that's a good secondary. I would be trying to keep – or secondary and back seven. I would be trying to keep that intact as much as possible with the assumption that Jesse Bates was always leaving. Like, it seems fairly clear that they never really intended to keep him around long term. So I, I would be trying to get those other guys that are leaving back – let Jesse Bates walk, let Eli Apple walk, because you have those built-in replacements. And then you're still in a really good spot from a salary cap point of view. So generally here, I think you can, it, it, when you pay your quarterback, you could probably keep two other $20 million players, right? Or six or seven $10 million players, let's say. So when the Bengals have to make these financial decisions going forward, of course they're signing Burrow. I think, of course, you're signing Jamar Chase. They'll never, you, you never let them get broken up ever. What do we do with T. Higgins here? You know, my, my take a couple of years ago with the Chiefs was to never let Tyreek Hill out of the building. Maybe I was wrong. They won a Super Bowl, so it didn't matter. Um, but they chose to take Tyreek Hill, maybe not when he had the most value, but when he had extremely high value, recoup four to five players for that, and essentially take the chance that. The improved offensive line plus Patrick Mahomes just being Patrick Mahomes will offset the loss of Tyreek Hill. The rest of the team gets better. Do the Bengals take that chance, right? Burrow's great. He's awesome. He's fantastic. He, we've also only seen him these last two years play at an elite level when he has Jamar Chase plus T. Higgins plus Tyler Boyd, right? Three receivers, the team-building strategy that we preach here all the time, get three or four playmakers that are tough to cover. Are the Bengals ready to say, hey, we'll pay T. Higgins his $22 million a year or whatever he's going to command, pay Jamar Chase close to 30 and pay Burrow in that 45 to 50 range, whatever that range is going to be at this time? Can they go with all three, or do they say it's Burrow and Chase, and then we'll get younger and better depth by trading a T. Higgins? Yeah, I, I would try and keep the three of them around. I think you have the ability to do that in the NFL and there's enough evidence out there of teams that only have one quote only have one superstar receiver and that being like a limiting factor right Buffalo Buffalo's offense is it capped by the fact that it's only Stephon Diggs and Gabriel Davis didn't step up to being that true secondary threat um Dallas CD Lamb same story for years Green Bay with with only Devontae Adams they had the best receiver in the NFL but it was still seen as a problem because they didn't have anybody else. So if that's the answer here, that you 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 have Joe Burrow and you have Jamar Chase, and that might be the best combination in the NFL. But if you only have that, is that the thing that's going to keep you in the divisional round of the playoffs or the AFC championship game every year and not allow you to get over the hump and get to the Super Bowl and to win a Super Bowl, et cetera? I would try and keep those three guys together as much as humanly possible. And I think they have the money to make it happen. So... I, I would work at doing that. I think once if you have those three guys locked up as long-term as possible, that gives you the line of sight to be able to juggle everything else that you're going to have to juggle. 
All right, so I'm in agreement with you. Let's do everything we can to keep the trio together. Now we have to, what do we have to anticipate going forward? We're not going to be able to spend, there's not going to be a whole lot of $10 million a year type of players, 10 to $15 million a year players. So we got to get younger, man. We got to get younger. We got to get youth. We have to anticipate losing Tyler Boyd in a year. So I think this could be, this is another year to probably draft a receiver and get a young player there. We talked about tackle. Both Lyle Collins, like Collins might just not have it anymore. Mm-hmm. And Jonah Williams probably can't get re-signed in a year. So we probably have to get multiple tackles in here who are young. And you don't want to completely neglect the defensive side of the ball. Where, again, you've got three free agents in the secondary. You've got some replacements, but I think you have to continue to replenish there. So keep these valuable positions replenished year over year. Yeah, I mean, wide receiver, I think, is a position where you should always be drafting a guy just – Year on year, you should take a run at like a second or third round wide receiver because if you do manage to hit on a guy that's way better than maybe his draft position, it gives you so much flexibility. Not only does it come in immediately benefit the offense, but it means all of a sudden you can look at shipping off like a T. Higgins and dramatically cutting the the burden that that is on the roster, even if he's a really good player and worth it. If you can figure out a guy, if you can find a guy somewhere that can do the similar type of thing for cheaper, it's like a jackpot. So, yeah, even if you're signing those two guys, I, I would always take a swing at, like, second and third round receivers. Josh Downs from UNC. I know I talked to, about him as a potential draft pick for someone else yesterday. Tank Dell from Houston. This smaller – I mean, Downs in particular looks like a great slot option that they could grab maybe in the second round. Um, there's potential there. Tank Dell adding some speed and quicks. I mean, that I, I love the flashy objects, but maybe is, is there a tackle late first potentially that they could look at? I think all of those things need to be at play uh, in play here. Yeah, I mean, middle rounds, like Michael Wilson from Stanford, apparently had a great senior bowl, really like Wilson, improved yeah. his stock. Uh, Rasheed Rice from SMU is a guy with a lot of ridiculous skills um, and ability and size who I think has a lot of work to do on his game to sort of – become an NFL player but if you can coach him into that kind of stuff could be really good so those are the types of gambles I think would be really smart to take in the middle rounds and address yeah tackle up top all right so Walt has reminded me that we need to cut Joe Mixon Mm -hmm. yeah I thought that was I thought that was obvious we cut we have to we're gonna have to release Joe Mixon thank you for your service for the Bengals it's a good player yeah the running back, much like Buffalo, like we'll we're not concerned about finding a running back. We'll have productive running backs in Cincinnati because of Burrow, Chase, and Higgins. Yeah, the running sure. back position. We'll draft one, but we don't need to go crazy here. All right, have we fixed the Bengals? Yeah. Keep the trio together. Mm-hmm. Get younger around them. Anticipate where you're gonna, you know, always try to stay one step ahead of where the uh, the needs are coming year over year, and do some Eagles. Always do the eagle stuff. Always get the cut players. Do the eagle. Oh, I see. Always, always sign those players after cut day. After they get cut. All right, Cleveland Browns. Hmm. What are we going to do with the Browns here? Deshaun Watson, forty-six million dollars per year. It's locked in. Yeah, we know what's happening. It's guaranteed. You're it stuck is. with it. Now you need to make sure he plays well. It's a tough one with the Browns because, like, what what do you assume out of Watson as a player going forward? He had a fifty-five grade. No idea. This year. And as you were, you were rightfully asking, is he going to be rusty? But, you know, that, that implies like, hey, maybe the first few games will be rough and then he'll figure it out. And the, but there was no pattern to his play either. It was, it was just up and down and terrible yep. overall. So let's assume 
let's assume Watson with an offseason of, you know, getting ready to play football, he's going to be better. We've got a quarterback. You have Amari Cooper out there at receiver. You've got a good, solid offensive line, as they always have, and they're, they're pretty well locked up. Defensive side of the ball is going to be a huge focus, new system, new whole deal. And it felt like the Browns neglected the defensive line a little bit. They just they solved it late last year. I think this offseason the Browns are going to solve defensive line much earlier, both in free agency and in the draft. Yeah, I mean, they need to give Miles Garrett some help. It's been Miles Garrett on his own, playing as well as any defender in the NFL over the last few years. And nobody knows, really. That's not like nobody knows. But what compared with TJ Watt and Micah Parsons and Nick Bosa, like Miles Garrett is always seen as this like secondary player because he doesn't have enough help around him for it, his impact to actually get the recognition it should. Like the number of plays, he leads the NFL in those plays that we track, those pass rush wins that don't get a chance to become pressure because something else happens in the play. The ball's out, it's gone, somebody else gets to cover or whatever. He leads the league in those for like the last couple of years straight. Um, and that happens because the rest of that defensive line is garbage. You need to give him some players that can actually help him out. And you will see not only will it make the defensive line better because those players will make an impact themselves, but they'll also enhance the impact that Miles Garrett has. Like you will notice what he does more because it has a chance to make a bigger impact. So, I mean, we're talking the last couple of years, they've done this by just kind of like waiting out Jadavian Clowney, grabbing him for seven or eight million a year on one year contracts. Looks like that's even soured. They need edge defenders. They need interior defensive linemen. I think in the draft, they don't pick till pick 42. They're missing their first rounder thanks to Deshaun Watson. Uh, Siaki Ika from uh, Baylor, big monster uh, nose tackle who can move pretty well. He's at 55 right now on the PFF draft board. I think he could be a potential early round draft pick. Here's the deal. I like the Browns' strategy of how they've handled the defensive interior. Third rounders here, fourth rounders there, Taven Bryan for, you know, a few million. But I think that ended up catching up. To, I think tactically it was the right move, but it, it was just this, it was bad weakness. It was just bad weakness that got exploited week to week. I do think they're going to need to invest on the interior a little bit more. We've talked about guys like David Onyemata, Sheldon Rankins, but do you even go to a higher price type of interior defensive lineman here to, to solve this issue. Um, they're a team that, that doesn't look like they have a lot of camp space, but they're one of those sides that can free up a ton of room. Um, so they actually, what are they right now? They are 15 million in the hole, 15 million in the red, but they can free up an absolute ton of money So they with restructures and all those kinds of things. So they have the ability to spend if they want to do it in free agency. Um, looks like Deron Payne is going to get franchise tag. That was yeah. a report today. We missed that yesterday on the show. We didn't have that report at the time. Um, so he's probably not going to be on the market. Javon Hargrave is presumably going to get a ton of money simply by virtue of basically being <laughs> the only plus end player at that kind of position. Uh, but I think they can or should add some guys in, before you get to the draft and give you the flexibility. Um, but there aren't a ton of options that are going to make a big impact. So that Jim Schwartz is coming in to run the defense too. I mean, that he loves rushing four. He loves winning with four. Mm -hmm. And he's going to look at this D-line. I mean, he's going to be pushing for, like, give me four guys. Interior, edge, whatever. Are the Browns a team that could make a splash with a Marcus Davenport, top edge defender on the market? Are they a team that might fork that money over and say, look, we've neglected D-line. We, theoret we, we always discuss this very theoretical coverage versus pass rush and blah, blah, blah. 
But if you have a coach that truly wants to rush four all the time, you have to be better up front. Would you go to the Marcus Davenport, who could be, you know, could be on the verge of a breakout if he stays on the field, as we've highlighted a couple times on the show. Yeah, potentially. Um, they also need to, to sort of focus with that in mind on, you know, pass rushing defensive linemen, guys that can actually penetrate, get upfield, cause problems. And they're another team that maybe maybe doesn't start for them, but as a rotational guy, uh, guy Matt Ioannidis can get pressure. Like that's been his specialty in the NFL so far. So maybe that's a guy they can bring in, at least guarantee some rotational, situational heat up front. So look, they're going to attack defensive line. I, I would, cons- I don't know if I would consider Davenport if I was the Browns. I'd be tempted though, knowing where they've been and what they what they need to do up front there. The re- their back seven is all locked up for at least this year. You want to add some depth and everything, but Martin Emerson had a really nice season last year. Denzel Ward's still there for five years. Greg Newsom's been a good first round pick for them. They're solid on the back end. I think it's a year of all defensive line for the Browns. Offensively, they got to figure out center. Four fifths of their offensive line is back. Center is a you know a place they have to look. And then, as always, I have to look at receiver. Is Amari Cooper plus Donovan Peoples-Jones, David Bell, Anthony Schwartz? Is that enough at receiver, or are they another team that needs to bring someone else in there to complement Amari in company? Yeah, I mean, again, keep swinging. The other thing is, like Amari Cooper seems to have a shelf life in the NFL. For whatever reason, within teams, like within yes. his teams, yeah. for whatever reason, he makes every team that he steps onto better, and they tire of it quite quickly. I don't know why. I don't know if this is a thing. You know, Amari Cooper pisses them off behind the scenes. If it's a personality thing, if it's a he's good, not great type of thing, and ultimately they just sour on the amount of money that they have tied up with him. But whatever it is, Amari Cooper has now been kicked out of two teams and is on his third, and you can kind of see how that could end up you know, within a couple of years being the end of the road for him in Cleveland, it just, it would be smart, I think, to have some kind of Amari Cooper insurance working away in the background, even if you don't need it for a couple of years. So again, draft wide receivers. There we go. Eight draft picks for the Browns. First one's at 42 overall. Uh, Yes, take swings at receiver and take a bunch of swings on the defensive line this offseason. They could be in the market for center in the draft as well. I don't know if they'll let it go that far. Um, John Michael Schmitz is a great prospect out of Minnesota. He's at 52 on the PFF draft board. Could be a fit there at 42 where the Browns draft if they want to fill that specific need if they get there in the draft. Anything else, Browns-wise? Nope. Build around Deshaun Watson. Hope that he's better. Hope that he's better. Because if he isn't, you've got real problems. We talked a lot about how they keep adding running backs. Um, They do have Nick Chubb plus... Kareem Hunt's now free agent. Dearness Johnson, free agent. So they do probably need to add some depth there as well. But mid-rounds, good spot to find a Nick Chubb backup there as well. Yep. All right, Browns, there's your strategy for this offseason. Go get some defensive linemen and uh, maybe play in the Marcus Davenport market. Let's go to the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, to round out the AFC North here. They've got two players in the secondary that are free agents, Terrell Edmonds and Cameron Sutton. Uh, That's pretty much it defensively. And then offensively, they're pretty much locked in. So the question for the Steelers here, much like the Packers, they are this traditional develop-from-within type of team. Get yours, re-sign your own, barely dabble in free agency. And the once again, first contract quarterback. You've got Kenny Pickett in year two. Uh, is this a year 
Is this a time for the Steelers to, you know, change tact a little bit? Is it time? Omar Khan's the uh, the new GM here. Will they will they play it differently than the traditional Steelers teams of the past and try to make a few more splash moves outside the organization? Um, if there are any. Yeah, possibly. They, they've got some moves, I think, that they need to make anyway. Like, the offense is kind of set in terms of the personnel is all coming back. They Obviously, they're not messing with the coaching staff either, which was a surprise for a lot of people. It's going to be Kenny Pickett's show. We like what they have in Deontay Johnson, George Pickens, a receiver. Pat Fryermuth has been really good at tight end. Like, they're, they're pretty set there. The offensive line started basically the same five guys almost every snap of the season last year. Um, I don't know that any of the five are untouchable. Like, if you could actually find an upgrade, I think all five of those guys could be upgraded upon reasonably easily on the line yeah yeah so i certainly wouldn't say all right i've got my five starters they were ever present last year we're good i would absolutely keep looking at offensive linemen because i think that group is average at best but i think their biggest area of need is the secondary and cornerback where they just don't really have anybody of quality yeah it was one of those the offensive linemen that they added mason cole and james daniels came in and played solid as expected yeah, like those they were are fine those are similar moves to the Bengals that we've been touting. Love that, right? That again, under 14 million APY for both of those guys on multi-year deals. It's a good way to 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 fix the O line a little bit. I I, I think tackles the spot, right? Dan Moore and then uh, Chukwuma Akora for both can be upgraded upon there. Secondary wise, you know, like I said Sutton's a really good player. I mean, that's their best player in the secondary who has versatility. Hitting for agency here, Terrell Edmonds. Didn't love that draft pick at the time. He's solid. He's fine. Um, the Steelers have gotten away with, you know, an average-looking secondary over the last couple of years. So will they do that again, or are they going to really try to upgrade this position here? What's the – there's a lot of Steelers fans talking about corners. They need corners. Joey Porter Jr. A lot of people want the uh, the Joey Porter connection in Pittsburgh. It's a common one. Where are they picking at 14? Where are they? 17. I, I think it would probably be smart to look at corner in both the draft and free agency. Like, they need they need a secondary, effectively. So I'm all for drafting a corner in the first round. I'm also all for looking at the available guys in free agency. Um, and they got that pick 32, which is now a second rounder. That What a steal. Trading Chase Claypool to the Bears, getting that pick 32 there. Yeah. There might be enough corner depth that if one of those tackles falls, I wouldn't hate a tackle at 17. Yeah. not In part because I don't love their tackles, but also because just positional value in the middle of the first round, hit rate and all that stuff. Uh, Broderick Jones from Georgia, that could be a nice fit at 17, and you could still get one of those top five or six corners at 32 overall, mm-hmm. at the top of the second round. Um, so they've got their traditional seven draft picks. It's like usually what they work with in Pittsburgh. Um, yeah, I'm just curious if they do end up trying to spend some money since they've got this cap flexibility here in the next couple of years. Yeah, I think they should. I mean, there's there's going to be some capable starting cornerbacks available in free agency. I think they would be wise to take a look at a bunch of them and see if they can bring somebody in and potentially upgrade the I would overall bring Sutton unit. back for I mean, I would keep Sutton. That's that's, you know, keep your own. Maybe. Because he might be in that eight nine million dollar range, which I think is great for him. If Jamel Dean or some of the or Bradbury is going to be up closer to fourteen or fifteen, I don't know what our exact projections are. We have we have Bradbury at twelve per year. We have Jamel Dean at seventeen, and if Sutton's available for eight and a half three years, I mean that's like that 
steal, right? We're looking at value versus cost and all that stuff. I think Sutton's a potential steal there and then take a swing at a Marcus Peters at this point in his career. I don't I would know love they, that combo. I mean, Marcus Peters getting on. I'm not sure I, I'd love that one for them, but, you know, for like maybe they're another uh, team that might be interested in Jamel Dean, that kind of guy. Uh, I'd also kick the tires on Byron Murphy. I think he's got a lot of positional flexibility that could be really useful in that defense. Um, yeah. They have they have two options on the roster too. Levi Wallace, who played okay this year, and then William Jackson, who's played horribly the last couple. Yeah, but at least has they 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 got like a free look at him last year. They have one more year of William Jackson. I would at least keep you're gonna keep him around just to see if he could reclaim some of his magic because he used to be good. William Jackson. He used to be good. Used to yeah. be good. So throw some depth at corner. Um, Alex Highsmith broke out as a pass rusher opposite T.J. Watt. Keep that going. Um, maybe add some depth there as well. The place they need depth, I think, is the interior. Like, I know they drafted DeMarvin Leal. He didn't really show much as a rookie. Cameron Hayward's still playing his best football, but at some point is probably going to start to decline. Future-proofing that interior, I think, would be smart. Um, not necessarily, like, with a first-round pick or anything crazy, but in the first few rounds, I would be looking to potentially add a player there. Like, maybe that's the pick at number 32. Mozzie Smith from Michigan is a 350-pounder, I believe, who's one of uh, Feldman Freak here. Big boy. Um, he could be a play. He's at 35 on our board now, and I mentioned Siaki Ika from from Baylor. Either of those guys, uh, maybe with their third pick, too, 49 overall. I'd rather spend a little bit of a lower pick on an interior defensive lineman, but either of those either of those guys at 330 to 350 could be a nice fit, old-school Steelers type play a little nose tackle and uh, improve their run defense, which has been hit or miss these last couple of years. Mm. Offensively, anything else you, you want to do around Kenny Pickett? Is Deontay Johnson, Deontay Johnson's at this record for most catches without a touchdown. George Pickens has his special skill set. Is something missing there, though, with this receiving core? Or is it simply the offense that yeah. is uh, holding them down? Here? I mean, I'd always be on board with adding a speed receiver, but I don't know that this offense will make any use of it, even if they have one. Calvin Austin's there. That's true. Should, Calvin should, Austin should does use come Calvin back Austin. after his injury, uh, his injury plagued rookie year. Yeah, not to sound completely redundant, but we would add a receiver for the Steelers as well. We would add receivers for everybody because if we were in every building, we would continue to add receivers because that depth at that position is excellent. But I also think you can win with Deontay Johnson, George Pickens, yeah. Pat Fryermuth at tight end, and a little upgrade on the O-line. We talked yesterday about how Deontay Hardy is potentially like a steal, free agent pickup for a team or two. Um, Calvin Austin can be that guy if he stays healthy and does what he did at Memphis. Yeah, there's just – like if they – just hypothetically, if they did add, say, a DeAndre Hopkins, right? I always talk about how that takes the pressure off Deontay Johnson takes the pressure off George Pickens and puts the pressure on the defense, right? How do you cover all those guys? And that's just why if you're going to, with Kenny Pickett, if you got four more years of Pickett here on the cheap, what are those aggressive moves that's going to potentially put you over the top? I don't think Kenny Pickett's the carrier team type, right? And even though we think Joe Burrow is a carrier team type, he also has Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, which is why they're special in Cincinnati right now. So should maybe explore what it would look like getting maybe a Michael Thomas in there. You know, we'll see if they end up exploring those route, that route. But what's going to make the Steelers not just a, a nine-win team? I think it's explosiveness and more value at receiver, as always. Mm -hmm. 
the real like the biggest thing they need to do in this offseason is figure out how this offense actually functions and threatens more areas more areas of the field because right now they're they're way too predictable and easy to solve from a defensive point of view and i think a lot of people expected that to result in the loss of or the change or a change at offensive coordinator it didn't so now they need to figure out all right if we're not changing anybody how is this changing all right yeah they got to be better i like this suggestion ivan pace jr next great Steeler linebacker he's an excellent pass rushing linebacker that uh stole the show at the senior bowl and in my draft model yeah Devin, that could be a great Devin news bush day. really didn't uh pan out for them Devin bush uh did not pan out uh i like that pace jr from cincinnati going to the steelers lock him in around round three or so unless he goes higher all right, man, we got to get to the NFC North. Can we crank this out in an hour? Probably not. Certainly not. Not with the Chicago Bears being the first team up. Oh, dear. Let's debate number one overall. What do you do? What do you do? What do you do? I, I change my mind every week. Yeah, well, I'm on record. I keep Justin Fields. The end. What I'm fine do? with that. Let's, I would consider the trade, but I'm fine with not trading him. So let's say we're not – we're going to – the most likely scenario, too, is that they're going to keep Fields – in trade number one. To me, the available options. Also, by the way, I would listen to calls for everything. Of so if somebody came in with a ridiculous offer for Justin Fields, that would probably be enough to make me go to the other side of this conversation. But as things stand, assuming the offers are about equal, I don't see the available draft quarterbacks as so much better than Justin Fields that it's a slam dunk. If Again, like the Rick Spielman thing he told us, if Bryce Young was 6'2", 220, I, we're having a very different conversation. At that point, I think you can justifiably argue that Bryce Young's tape is night and day better than anything we've seen from Justin Fields in college or in the NFL. And that, to me, is a conversation worth having. But Bryce Young isn't 6'2", 220. He is, in fact, probably around 180 and 5'10", which would make him like the smallest quarterback in the NFL since offensive linemen weighed 230 pounds. Like, we are talking unprecedented size concerns, at which point I think there's enough of a scare there to say, give me Justin Fields, let me build around him and see what we can do. So let's assume we're going to do that. There's a few teams in NFL history that have as much power as the Bears this offseason. Almost $100 million in cap space, the number one overall pick, um, eight total picks. Last year they spun their draft picks into like 11 or 12 uh, also, last year at this time, when we were fixing the Bears, we said, what should Ryan Pace do? Rebuild, rebuild, rebuild. Find players that are young, that are going to be a part of the future in Chicago. Trade down and get as many draft picks as possible and free up cap space. He did all that. I mean, the fact that in mm -hmm. one year, the Bears just sucked it up, had a rough season, even though they were 2-1, and one, and some experts thought that they were going to be a really good team because they're 2-1 and one and they're Bears homers. Experts, huh? Experts. Okay. The guy who likes to poo-poo on experts mm. says he's the expert. Okay. The Bears sucked it up this season, last season, and said, bad cap situation. We're going to draft a ton and build for the future. And a year later, they're in great position. So what are we going to do with this? Other than having no players. Yeah. Well, I mean, great position and exciting. You mentioned you like, you know, the, the unknown, the boxes. Yeah. The unknown. Like, this is what the Bears have. They have boxes. all sorts of <laughs> unwrapped boxes a lot of boxes right, right? and you're going to turn this one big box what round one pick one into like three more yes you have eight picks 
and we're going to turn that into 11 or 12. So that's like, that's step two, right? Step one is committing to Justin Fields going forward. Step two is we're not using number one overall except to move backwards. And the ideal scenario for Chicago is trading with the Indianapolis Colts, going back to number four, picking up a first-round pick next year to hedge because, look, I'm, I'm willing to commit to Justin Fields this year, but I'm also well aware of how far away he is as a passing quarterback to where we need him to get to that I want insurance. And the insurance is give me two first-round picks next year so that there is no possibility that I can't get to the top of the draft to get a quarterback, right? How, how galaxy-brained should you attack this thing? If you're truly looking to, okay, we're going to keep fields, but we want to hedge just in case we had a shot at Drake May or Caleb Williams next year. Right. Do you trade with a team that you think is most likely to be picking at the top of the draft next year? No, because I think if if you stink, like if fields is bad, you don't win games, you're picking high in the draft anyway, and then as long as you've got a second first-round pick from somewhere – You've got enough ammo to get to wherever you need to get to. I think, but you're not getting like it's not ammo. There's no such thing as ammo when it when it's for Cam, uh, Caleb Williams and Drake May. It is ammo. It is no, because nobody's going to trade out of there. Well, good. whoever has one and two next year, unless things drastically change, whoever has one and two next year is picking those two quarterbacks. What if Patrick Mahomes breaks a hip and they play the entire year with some random ass backup who isn't Chad Henney because he just retired? The Chiefs go one and fi- uh, sixteen, oh, and they have the number one overall pick. You're telling me they're going to pick one of those guys? That's, that's quite the quite the what if scenario. But that's what happens. Like the Colts ended up with Andrew Luck because Peyton Manning got hurt, and they had to start Scott Tolzien for an entire year. Okay, so that answers my question. You wouldn't say because like the Texans. Still look really bad. Yeah, right? if the Texans draft a quarterback, I'm and- in the Colts. The Colts look better than that, I think. If like the Texans could be the number one overall pick next year, and they might want to trade up from two to one. I don't know if they'll give up next year's first round just to move up one. Right. I'm just saying, would you look at the Falcons or the Panthers and say, well, they're going to be the closest thing to the number one pick next year. Therefore, I want to trade with them just in case. Looking ahead. No, I want to trade okay. to number four and then draft Jalen Carter. Okay. So you're going to play the blue chip blue chip theory here. Yes. It's a couple blue chips. I want to make sure I come away with one the, plus extra The things picks. I want in this trade are Jalen Carter and or Will Anderson um, and a first-round pick next year. Whatever else I can get on top of that is gravy. But those are the two things I want to come out of this trade with. I can be on board with that. I'd want Will Anderson. I think he'd probably go ahead. Of the, um, I saw Daniel Jeremiah had Tyree Wilson over Will Anderson in the draft. <laughs> Not necessarily because of his own evaluation, Seen but that as before. a predictive, as and a I, predictive I move. Cannot understand how that could possibly happen. Well, if Daniel would respond to us and be on our show, we could talk to him. Um, it feels a lot like the that feels a lot like Trayvon Walker over Aiden Hutchinson. He explained why it's year. not, and he used some of our data to prove it. What did he say? Pressure rate. What about it? Um, Wilson actually has production. Right? He's still a lot worse than Will Anderson. Yeah, I mean, there's similarities to it, but it's not like it was the Trayvon Walker thing was pure combine-driven upside projection. Pure traits, like traits things, right? But uh, Tyree Wilson did have a very good season for Texas Tech. Yeah. He had a good season. Right. It's not like Trayvon Walker just did not rush the passer effectively at all. Anyway, 
talk about that later. All right, so I'll I'll, I'll agree with you on the, the Bears thing, right? We'll hold fields, we'll trade down, and then we'll draft one of the top guys. Mm-hmm. And then we have all the all that's the like, other draft capital, right. and it's just as simple as get the best play, just keep drafting good players. Yeah, that's like step number one. Use the draft model, keep drafting the Use best the players. Use the draft model. Yes. Um, what are you doing free agency before we even get to the draft? Like, assuming that's the plan, we keep Justin Fields. We're trading out of number one. If we can get that done early as possible, great. We trade to four. We're going to draft Jalen Carter. Fine. Then we're going to draft good players. What are we doing in free agency with this stockpile of money we've got? Getting all the players. Getting but, all the players, preferably young. But free agency, the players aren't good. So are Mike we gonna... McGlinchey, I'd bring in McGlinchey. Yeah. Veteran presence, a tackle. Veteran presence. Yeah. 15-year starter. He could be my right tackle, especially with his run blocking. And if, if you are going to build around fields in a, in a run-first attack, I think McGlinchey's a great fit. Yeah. Um, I'm not taking the bait on running backs. I'm not going to be the team that does that. God, no. You know, this was kind of like when the Raiders reset. It's like, all right, franchise-changing opportunity here, and we didn't love the moves that they made. Mm-hmm. The Bears have this opportunity. Yeah. Are they going to come out of it with a bunch of moves that we love or a bunch of moves where we're like, oh, you don't need to pay Saquon Barkley a ridiculous amount of money? Yeah. Although I am tempted by if you put Barkley and Fields in the backfield. Like the one justification for the running back payment is I've got this Lamar Jackson, Justin Fields type of player in the backfield. If I have another explosive player next to him, how do you account for all of that? I'm not saying pay Barkley $15 million a year or anything like that, but the Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley maybe is more tempting for a Bears team if they're going to truly build their rushing attack around fields and you know play the way they did last year. They could be a team to throw the money at Marcus Davenport. They've got the cash to spend. They can yep. afford to gamble, and all of a sudden, if you have a Marcus Davenport and a Jalen Carter – added to that defensive line now we're starting to move somewhere yeah um, some of their investment last year was jaquan brisker and kyler gordon in the secondary they got a little bit younger there um jalen johnson's already there eddie jackson's there it's not terrible on paper but you'd still want to probably add some bodies there but yeah i think defensive line's going to get a big chunk of the investment here mm-hmm. um so i don't mind big money there but then you have to go you got to figure out the playmaker situation as well so do you take all of your extra presumed draft capital and do you go get the T. Higgins or do you go get DeAndre Hopkins or whoever it is yeah. to, to aid Justin Fields here? That's the thing. Like, they can afford to potentially throw some money and trade and draft capital at a trade. Now, this is where the trade becomes the, – the trade to back from number one becomes complicated because if you want that first-round pick next year and you want Jalen Carter, now you're running out of things that you've acquired in order to trade to get, you know – a T Higgins or whatever like it's it's going to be intriguing to see what kind of offers the Bears get for that pick because maybe that's the kind of thing that might tempt you into trading back as far as seven or nine you know where all of a sudden you're saying all right we went back further we're not getting Jalen Carter but we get enough ammunition that we can go hard after some superstar in free agency or you know via trade and still have the first-round pick next year and still be in a good situation. That being said, like, there is precedent where teams have thrown stupid trades at somebody else to go from four to one. Like, it's not yeah, beyond sure. the realms of possibility that they emerge from that with number four, a first-round pick next year, and, you know, second mid-round picks, enough to be able to do something in, you know, with bringing in a, a veteran somewhere. Let's play this scenario really quick. We've talked – the. There's rumors about the Panthers maybe jumping up from nine 
because it's further down, you'd ha- they'd have to give up so much more. You said you want to come away with Jalen Carter at four. Yep. I'm saying, going back with what I said last year, the player that I liked the most coming out of round one of the draft was A.J. Brown mm-hmm. to the Eagles. If I'm the Bears, can I concoct one of those situations? Can I move to seven or nine or wherever? Would the Bengals be in play in, in the T. Higgins uh, sweepstakes? If somebody offered like if the Beng- like would the Bengals actually do this too? Right? We just talked about how they get to get younger at tackle and all this stuff. The Bengals can go get a starting tackle at nine. So we trade down to nine with the Panthers, get all sorts of stuff. Trade nine for T. Higgins. Now I would I would rather T. Higgins than Jalen Carter or Will Anderson. Maybe not Will Anderson, but it's close. I would rather T. Higgins than Jalen Carter. Mm. I'd rather T. Higgins, knowing I need to pay him twenty-two to twenty-four million dollars a year, I would prefer that than the shiny draft object, which is Jalen Carter, Will Anderson, whatever it might be. I think that's a better case scenario for the Bears, plus all the other draft capital, right? And then the Bengals have to play this game and say, we can get this starting tackle, young, good player, going to start, and now I got to, but I'm going to save the Higgins money going forward. I got to replenish there but I've got my starting tackle and I can actually spend money in a couple other places. Yeah. That's a world. I mean, it might not be the exact scenario, but I would rather come away with a playmaker at receiver than Jalen Carter at four if I'm the Bears. So make that happen. Make those <laughs> trades happen if I'm the Bears. Okay. Because the other thing I would like to do, um, I would like a redo on the Chase Claypool trade. Can't have it. I would just like, I would like 30, pick 32. Maybe I offer pick 32. Nope. Or Claypool for 32 nope. to the Steelers. See if they want to. If they had picked 32, man, the Bears would be really in business here. Mm. So go get uh, go get one of those top wide receivers as much as you can. Add depth on the offensive line. The offensive line graded well for us last year, but it was run game driven. When they were put into must pass situations, they were a they were a mess. Mm-hmm. Braxton Jones was an excellent left tackle as a rookie. Still not trusting him in pass protection just yet, but that's a good find. So you want to add depth there as much as possible. It is such Attack a rough group of free agents. <laughs> it's just, there's it nowhere is. I want to spend the money. Well, that, that's why I'm saying I think it's, it's, the, it's the big trades, man. Your guy, I would bring in DJ Chark just for the one-year $10 million flyer that he's going to get every year. Yeah. I'd do that. I mean, what bring else? Bring in John there? Ross. Always have to bring in John Always Ross. John Ross, yeah. yeah. As a deep um, threat. I mean, a guy like friend of the show, Julian Love, would make some sense added to that secondary as well. We love Julian Love here. There's a lot of linebackers I quite like, but I think the Bears have already shown that they're probably not spending money on linebacker given what they did with um, Roquan. So, I don't know. It's not. They have picked 54 from the Ravens for Roquan Smith. Mm-hmm. I'm liking that right now. You know, so I think I, I love a lot of what Ryan Poles is doing. I can't wait to see what he does with um, a plethora of riches this offseason, both financially and presumably draft capital-wise. So you've got some ideas for what we would do. But I would, if I'm the Bears and I can come away with one of one of these first-round picks that I'm getting, or the first-round pick becomes a playmaker, plus a next year's first-rounder, plus extra draft picks, and I'm building around fields, that's one of my biggest wins this offseason if I'm the Bears. Boom. Fixed. We've got 15 minutes per team to round it out. Detroit Lions. They're picking at number six and pick 18. They've got eight total draft picks coming off an almost, almost playoff season. Got some cap space to work with. 
What are your thoughts on the Lions this offseason? Free agent-wise, your guy, DJ Chark, you just mentioned my guy, but your guy, you keep mentioning DJ Chark, Deshaun Elliott at safety, Alex Anzalone, a couple other defensive linemen, uh, Jamal Williams, the touchdown creator at running back. So you've got a few holes here, but nothing drastic. It's yeah. a good nucleus still back in Detroit. Absolutely. By the way, is that a theme across the league? What? Like a lot of teams just have most of their good players. I mean, I guess it coincides with the weak free agent class, right? Yeah. When I look at most rosters, it's like depth chart looks pretty good as far as returning players. Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah, D- I, Detroit's in a maybe. pretty good spot. I, particularly, you know, DJ Chark is going to be replaced by Jamison Williams, who should be a significant upgrade for them. It's not like DJ Chark has been, you know, a big factor in this offense anyway. Uh, I, I expect Jamison Williams to have a breakout year next season. Last His rookie year was basically a redshirt year for him. They barely played him when he got back. He had a handful of snaps every game, had like one or two targets, and that was it. But even with that, you could see that guy's got freaky speed and movement ability that just is going to terrify defenses. And once you start to get him more involved in the offense, it's going to be huge. Um, their biggest need is corner, like it just by far. But you do have that kind of lingering question of, are we really happy with Jared Goff? Like, are we just are we just saying that because we have Jared Goff? Like, if if a, if a better alternative to Jared Goff came on the horizon, would we really say now we're good? How much you know? You know how I got I kind of got conservative when we talked about Washington yesterday. Mm. I got a little conservative, which was and, and I, I changed my tune from say when I was with the Jets. When we, were, when we were fixing the Jets, I said, go big or go home. It's got to be Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. And I, how much was I motivated by the fact that you have to beat the Bills in your division? Will the Lions look at this division, which might be Aaron rodgers list soon? Will they look at this division and say, absolutely, Jared Goff's good enough, right? Our offense, Ben Johnson calling the plays, what we did last year with Goff, Bears are in rebuild mode, the Vikings are a fake 13-win team, and the Packers are rolling with Jordan Love here. This is our division. We can go do this, and we can do it with Goff. They might say that, and they might be right. But we always tre- we always tend to view with like, okay, I mean, Goff's still a mid-tier quarterback. No matter how he plays, no matter what his stats look like the last couple of years, he's a mid-tier quarterback, right? Enough so that team, you know, like a team like the Rams was ready to move on and get the, the next best thing, which is your old guy, Stafford, Lions. So should they be taking swings? At these next quarterbacks, I mean, it's so, also like the it's like the benefit of when you got to trade Matthew Stafford, you get to take these extra swings for the next franchise guy. Yeah, the thing is with a Jared Goff, he's clearly good enough to do something. So the question becomes like, how clear an upgrade can we get over Jared Goff if we're still in this market? If we're being honest, like, what does the alternative look like? So. There's not a big enough gap between Jared Goff and a Derek Carr that you're going to be in that market. Same with, you know, Geno Smith. Now, if Lamar Jackson is available, is that interesting to Detroit? Maybe. Aaron Rodgers, probably at this point, just too old. It doesn't, it's not a good fit. You know, a guy that's at the end of his career versus a team that's at the start of whatever journey they're on, probably not. Um, but because of those picks, they picked number six overall. Do they like any of those top four quarterbacks in this draft who may be there at a number six? Because if they do, I don't think it's beyond the realms of possibility that they draft one there and even have the capacity to sit him behind Jared Goff for a year. And, and I think that'd be great. 
that's a great team building strategy. What are you giving up? Let's say, let's see, what are you giving up? Maybe you're giving up the option to have, if, if people think Devin Witherspoon, the corner out of Illinois, is the best corner in the draft. Right. He's been linked to Detroit a lot, right? You might give up the option to have him on your team at six. Mm-hmm. And you only get a Joey Porter Jr. at 18 at corner. So you fill your corner. So you miss on a corner and you're going to lose another potential starter at a different position. Those are valuable things. But to not only hedge at quarterback, but to build for the future, develop a player, the payoff of having a quarterback hit is far greater than just getting a starting corner or defensive it's also like or receiver. Anybody acting like this starting, that this four, the top four quarterback group is a uniform ranking is out of their minds. Like there's going to be a lot of difference of opinion on the top four quarterbacks in this draft. In fact, you know what I just saw? And uh, it was reported as CBS Sports says, which we don't like. There was a human at CBS that did a mock draft. Yeah, I don't know who it was. Had Anthony Richardson going number one. Right, because I've just seen one where C.J. Stroud is number one as well. So, yeah, so like, that's all happened. We've seen, 11, right. we've seen all four of them go exactly. number one. And when you listen to sort of the explanations, they're all the same in terms of, oh, this guy terrifies me, and actually this guy that terrifies you I, has a really high floor. I'm all can't miss, you know what yeah. I mean? So what I'm saying is, there is a world where, like, the number one quarterback in on Detroit's board is available at six. Right. Like our, we, would, we have Bryce Young as our top guy. Right. There's a great chance that he's available at six. Absolutely. The way we're hearing all, all this stuff. All it takes is a few teams to yeah. go, that guy is tiny. There's no way that works. I'm out. So, and if Detroit loves that guy and has no concerns about the fact that he's my size and he's sitting there at six, it would take a lot, I think, to pass that up. So let me just say. Let's, let's do this exercise like they're not going to do that. I think we know that we're going to do that. I think there's a chance that they could. We were talking about this last year with Detroit. Let's pretend they're not going to do that. They're not drafting a quarterback at six regardless of who's available. I mean, I think, I think there's a chance that they could. We don't know which guy they like, so we're not, we, it's tough to theorize who that guy is. But for the record, we would take a quarterback at six if the right guy was there. Theoretically, sure. right? Other than that, though, I think corner, they could double up at corner. At 6-18 and 18 there. I wouldn't hate that. Two first-round corners. Um, I do like Devin Witherspoon from Illinois, even though he's a bit of a one-year wonder. He was unbelievable this season. Um, is that the play for them that high? Yeah, absolutely. I Witherspoon's wouldn't... exactly at 6 on our board. Christian Gonzalez is at 10 from Oregon. Honestly, even if, even if he isn't that high on your board, if he's like your 12th best player, I think it's probably worth – grabbing him at six because your need is that acute now again that's unless you do something fairly dramatic in free agency and, and do some serious overhauling here um detroit is one of those teams that's slap bang in the middle in terms of space how much uh, cap room they can free up they're not in a terrible situation even though they don't really have any money to spend right now but they could go shopping for a starting cornerback in free agency if that's what they want to do that just puts you back to the what we've been talking about of there's a bunch of guys that are 30 years old who they're probably not interested in, right? They're not – I doubt Detroit is going to be in the Marcus Peters, James Bradbury, Jonathan Jones, you know, Patrick Peterson type of marketplace. I, I would assume if they're interested, they're looking at younger players, which puts you in the Emmanuel Mosley or uh, Jamel Dean, Sean Murphy Bunting, that type of group instead – which is entirely possible, but even if you did that, I still think you're probably looking at corner in the first round. And you could look – I mean, here's why you could look at two of them. Under contract, Jeffrey Akuda, who we know hasn't worked out well. Jerry Jacobs, 
Bobby Price. Right. That's it. Amani Oruari is a free agent. Mike Hughes. I mean, there's there's a couple backups in there. I mean, there's just – come away with two corners at 6-18 and 18 and completely change that defense. Love the way the, uh, the pass rushers came along yesterday. They've built some uh, – last year, Aiden Hutchinson, uh, Theo Juarez, Charles Harris, of course, the great James Houston the fourth. They've got some really good depth there. Um, there's still maybe room for more big guys um, on the interior of the defensive line with Michael Brockers and Olympic McNeil already there. So come back to receiver, right? We talked about the way the Lions built their teams the last couple of years in the trenches, both sides of the ball, a little bit last year, and then this year was going to be the win on the perimeter. Got to find guys on the perimeter. Still room to grab another receiver or two and, um, and add corners. I think that's the, that's the focus this offseason. Would a Jacoby Myers be a good fit here or too redundant to Amonra St. Brown? Um, I think he would fit. I think that would make some sense. In fact, I, you I don't, would... you don't, you never think it's redundant to have two receivers who are capable of getting open, which is a fair take, basically. Yeah. And I think they do play different positions. They would function within the same offense. And actually, with the two of them complementing Jamison Williams, who brings something totally different to the table, is starting to look like a really nice receiving core. What about Quinton Johnson? even though we don't love him as a player, the concept of Johnson. So St. Brown's a high-end possession type, right? Um, Josh Reynolds, complimentary piece. Jameson Williams, uber-speed receiver. Now you have speed plus size in Quinton Johnson. And we talked about, look, I don't know if Johnson's a true – Johnston is a true one, but if he's your second or third option and maybe eventually develops into a one – I'm more more likely maybe to take that chance with Quentin Johnston from uh, TCU. Other people love him. If there's a, even though I don't love him, if there's a position I'm most willing to concede my take is that it's at receiver. So he might be a guy that I would consider there if he's around in the middle of the first round. Probably not at six though. But yeah. I think if they go corner corner or corner receiver in the draft, I'm yeah, happy I mean for the Lions. they're at that they're at that stage of their. Uh, development as a roster where now we're looking at the outside we built inside first we got offensive linemen we got defensive linemen those two units are in pretty good shape right now I think now we need to solidify and to uh, make sure that the perimeters are as good as they can get um, they've, they've they've gotten good production out of their tight ends you know Brock Wright with you know, three touchdown games and the whole thing tight end though could be another spot that they're potentially looking um Picks 48, picks 55 that they got from Minnesota. Uh, 55 they got from Minnesota last year might be something in their second round tight end range. But I want playmakers, man. If you're going to build around Goff, the the situation better be pristine. Mm-hmm. Anything else to add? No. And whether or not they or they have their heads turned by a quarterback this year, I mean, as long as Jared Goff is your quarterback, you probably always have an eye on the marketplace. You know. I mean, you should. Yeah. I like golf. Golf's fine. Golf's fine. We can look elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, but it's fine. But... Like other teams, they need a running back as, as well, and I'll give them the same advice. Don't pay for one. Get one in the middle rounds mm-hmm. to compliment DeAndre Swift. They created how many touchdowns out of Jamal Williams? Like Who's 16. better than Barry Sanders now? Stop it. What? He's not better than Barry Sanders. Like, doesn't Jamal Williams' career... In fact, isn't shouldn't you... He's one of those guys... Didn't he need the last game to overtake Barry oh, yeah, Sanders? Right. You should Absolutely. hate that. Yeah, it's stupid of course it's stupid jamal williams was a good goal line back for them this year had 17 touchdowns but like good offenses which is what they had create running backs who score touchdowns 
Like that's more of the proof that not like Jamal Williams needs to be re-upped or anything like that. But yeah, I mean, he's this put somebody in there to get the goal line carries. He's this year's James Conner, right? Which is the, the season that he ha- just had is literal proof that you don't give him money. Yes. And because he Cardinals, has seven, 17 of his 30 career touchdowns right. on the ground. The Cardinals failed to learn that lesson. Let's see if Detroit grasps it any better. Interesting. All right. So uh, Lions, absolutely positively fixed. Two well, more teams to discuss. Now we here. get fun. The Green Bay Packers. Mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers comes out of the darkness. Yep. We already declared that he saw the light, and it's in New York. Yeah, but let's say, to make this more entertaining that Aaron Rodgers comes out of the darkness and says that the, the small spirit in the room told him that actually his destiny still remains in Green Bay. That's home. That's where his legacy exists. And he wants to keep going. What do you do? Hmm. I think you roll probably roll with Aaron Rodgers. You just say, okay, welcome, welcome home, Aaron. Welcome back. Arms wide open with a hug. Yeah. Yeah? Full creed. Yeah. You play Creed uh-huh. with arms wide open. Mm. So you're just going to say, cool. And he'll acknowledge that and say, can't wait to see Creed, you. 2000. Love it. Wow. You're just, you're just going to roll right over and let Aaron Rodgers walk back in. Yeah, because he's better than everybody else. Better than Jordan Love. Yeah. I don't know. Like, do the Packers start thinking, look to the future here? Well, it sounds like they have. I mean, all the reports right now are... Weren't they like that last year? I don't think so. No, they were more like we wanted Aaron back. Yeah. All the reports right now are Green Bay has effectively decided they want to move on to Jordan Love. So they're desperately hoping that he comes out of the darkness wanting to Is he out yet? He must be out. Has anybody talked to him? I'm sure... It was supposed to be four days, wasn't it? He was going in the end of last week. McAfee didn't have like a live feed in the in the dark room or anything with no. him? Shocking. It is true. Like how long would McAfee he need to be in there pull. before somebody noticed he was missing? It's supposed to be four days. Yeah. He did this like last week. So. But he, I think he was unclear as to when exactly he was going in. So it might be the end of the four days now. Yeah. You never know when you're going into the darkness. You never know. Well, he was, he was deliberately keeping it quiet, you know? Oh, okay. He was like, it's the you. end of the week sometime. I'm not going to tell you when. So maybe it was Saturday. Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Oh, he would be out. Did already. he watch the Super Did he do it during the Super Bowl or something? No. Okay. Let's pretend we're building around Jordan Love, though. We're trading Aaron Rodgers. Okay. It's the more likely option we're talking about here. We're grabbing uh, – what are we getting for Rodgers? Are we getting two firsts? You thought they were getting two firsts. I don't think they're getting that. I think you're getting two firsts. I think they're getting a first and some change. What's a precedent Stafford deal? He's older than Stafford, but he's better. Yeah. Even now. Sure. How much do Please people say. look at – Aaron Rodgers heads into his age 39, 40-ish type of season – how much do you look at that and Wild. say, well, yeah, that's when Tom Brady was like still winning MVPs. and Yeah, I think you're going to find that Tom Brady is an absolute freak outlier. It's also when Peyton Manning looked like a geriatric and had to sit down and retire. I understand, but Rodgers is not showing physical decline. He wasn't as good last year, but there was a lot of stuff going on around him, <laughs> right? There's a lot of rookies, a lot of people that didn't understand the darkness the way he does. Yeah. Right? They weren't on the same page. Oh, if you could only quote the Batman thing, the Bane speech, I can't. that does teed right up. I don't that. have that. Yeah don't have that i might have some if my kids keep watching star wars Probably all day every day too. i might have some more some more quotes from that yeah. not a star wars guy but my kids are apparently so yeah you, you get two first start building the rest of that roster around jordan love 
And now you've got one year to figure out Jordan Love. Yeah. So that's what we're doing. And then you have to pay him. They really bungled this, to be honest. Um, all right. So I like – I think the – If you wanted to push back on my theory of having two quarterbacks in the room, uh, this might be the time to do it. Even though Jordan Love inspired Aaron Rodgers to two MVPs and number one seeds and all that stuff, the theory behind having the second quarterback is that, like, oh, you get the first kind of blah, blah, blah. But, like, sometimes you run out of time. Well, it becomes a problem – when a certain when the quarterback is a certain age, where you now have to constantly think about when is actually the time to get rid of him, and the pay, like this is how Tom Brady ended up not being in New England. Like he reached that age where they didn't know how long this was going to last, right? And I don't. The Patriots with Bill Belichick have always treated this way of like better being a year too early than a year too late, right? So they just eventually decided, you know what? Now, now is the time. You're probably going to decline. Bye bye. You know, we're going to let you go. Um, and so you have that problem with all these quarterbacks. Once, And the, the, the real problem with the Brady thing is that used to be like a two- or three-year window, right? 36 to 39, somewhere in there, he's going to decline. And yeah. you've got to figure out when. Now, the window is like 36 to 46. It's a decade. The guy, like, we could be getting out a year, the exact right year, or we could be getting out 10 years too early. And there's no way of knowing because Tom Brady's just broken the entire math in this. So the Packers have now experienced this twice with Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers of at some point you have to just go, now is the time. Like, I don't care how much longer he's got. We've decided it's now. We've got a young quarterback sitting here. We can't wait any longer. Bye. Let's just do it. Let's trade him. We're traded because we were the Jets too, so we traded for him. Yeah. We're, we offered up two first, so we're trading Rodgers. Um, Jets have pick 13, Packers have 15. The Packers already have 11 picks, by the way, and they could be adding more to it. Maybe another first rounder, maybe maybe future picks or whatever it is. And you got to replenish the roster. They need receiving help to go with uh, the great Christian Watson, yeah, who's unstoppable, um, and Romeo Dobbs. You've got Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb, who's probably going to go wherever Aaron Rodgers goes, Mercedes <laughs> uh, Lewis, who is in like year 20, also might just follow Rodgers just to. Be his blocking tight end again. That'd be great if he just had like a posse that came with him. Yeah, big Bob Tunyon. Bob, posse except, of guys you don't want on the roster. Except that's uh, it's not like Brady. People, uh, Rogers' old teammates don't like him, so they don't follow him. They, no, no, he's just got like, like a group of guys that a he likes that he wants on the team with him. That every team that has to trade for Aaron Rodgers, like God, really? Rogers is pretty honest. You you think bring he speaks, Randall Cobb. Do you think he speaks like us? He's like, I, I really like Alan Lazard, but like as my four. I mean, he's my number four option. You keep giving me him, you keep giving him to me as my number two option I or number one option. That's unacceptable. But I, Lazard, I love him as long as he's my four. I just think he likes people for like random reasons, right? Like yeah. Nathaniel Hackett gave him whatever it was, Star Wars quotes and meetings. Randall Cobb probably, you know, does a great line in like random ass Jeopardy trivia. Uh, who knows what Alan Lazard brings to the table? But like those are the reasons, right? So he just wants to have a good time in the room. And whoever, whoever does that, is who he wants on the roster. Are you really more in like a full rebuild mode here too, if you're the Packers? You don't have is time that... to rebuild. you got Jordan Love. you got to figure out what he is in the next 12 months. Because there's a – they're talking about maybe David you – know, David Bakhtiari has got a lot of dead money and all that stuff, but he's getting older and all of his injuries. Are you, are you looking for your next left tackle? Like, there's a They might have it already in Zach Tom. They might have it already. He could start at right tackle for now. So, yeah, maybe he, they already have that. He didn't look great at any position All other right. than left tackle, which is potentially problematic. Jordan Love needs playmakers. Yes. If Aaron Rodgers is here, 
needs playmakers. Been saying this for a few years. But I do think Christian Watson looked good. I think he can definitely be a good player. I also think there's something to the Romeo Dobbs hype. It just got out of control. So I think Dobbs was sort of artificially inflated to an expectation that was always unreasonable simply because there was no alternative. It was like, you know, and and Rodgers is part of this. He was talking up Romeo Dobbs in training camp, et cetera. But it was kind of like, if this guy doesn't actually emerge and become a legit starter for us, we're boned. So I'm going to speak it into existence. I'm going to try and manifest this through the power of positive thought in front of the media and say, oh yeah, Romeo Dobbs, this guy's legit. It's for real. Like buy into the hype. Realistically, he was always likely to take a little bit of time and adjust and maybe become a solid player down the line. So I think that Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs can both be, can be two of your top three wide receivers. You need the third and you need a tight end. Jackson Smith and Jigba. Ooh. With Rodgers in particular, but as a compliment to Christian Watson. Love it. Love that as well. I would take Jordan Addison too, but I think Smith and Jigba is the... I would take, yeah. Smith and Jigba. Might be the best fit for the Packers. They Flowers as well. I would love any of those guys. So get one of those receivers. And uh, as always, if Rodgers is on on the roster, they'll grab a couple defensive players. Of course. If Love is on the roster, they might double up at receiver. Mm -hmm. Right? That's how they'll do it. I'd love to see them draft one of those potential first-round tight ends as well. Absolutely. Michael Mayer at 15, I think, would be good value. Um, Flashy. Give me the shiny objects, man. Give me Smith and Jigba and Michael Mayer in this offense. Which you can potentially have if they get, you know, the extra first-round pick. Yeah, I'm assuming. Rodgers. Yeah. So, yeah, all for it. So I'm doing that. Okay. I'm absolutely doing that. Um, Add more depth on the line. And I need need some more pass rush insurance here. Rashawn Gary's coming off injury. Preston Smith. Um Locked up again, a little bit older. I need, I just need interior pass rushers, uh, edge rushers. Got eleven picks to work with, and um, going to spend a little bit of time in that, in that area as well. Yeah, I, depth. I think they need more than anything else on defense. I think they've actually done a reasonable job of future proofing that. You would expect Devontae Wyatt to have a better year in year two than he had as a rookie, where he barely played and didn't feature much when he did play. Um, we really liked him coming out. I think he's got the ability to take that kind of step. Maybe, I mean, Kingsley Enigbare is the, the pass rusher that they got late in the low down the draft. I don't know if he's going to step up, but. I like that second group of um, edge rushers. Nolan Smith at Georgia is super undersized, but yeah. a really good player coming off of injury. Um, he's at 26 on our board. I, I'm assuming he's around in the second round. Um, the two guys that uh, Rick Spielman mentioned on Friday. <laughs> the names. Adebawari uh, and... Uh, and Adike Izama from Kansas State. Mm. Both okay. of those guys in the 40s on our board. Didn't he call one of them just E? Call him like Frank or something. Tom. I forget. I don't know. We've got how many edge rushers in like our top 48? There's like 12 or 13 of them. There's a good depth plays mm-hmm. on those guys there. So the Packers are going to do that. Get the shiny objects first. You usually reverse this. You usually get your edge rushers early, shiny objects late. Um, the one exception I could make there, if they're picking at 15, I wouldn't hate Miles Murphy from Clemson. Model, power, trust. They had some trust in Miles Murphy here. If they grabbed him instead of one of those shiny objects and let some of the uh, receiver, it grabbed one of the receivers or tight ends on the back end. But with their first three picks, two playmakers and a pass rusher, I would like that. Yeah. They could actually be in the uh, the safety market here. Adrian Amos hits free agency. They had a rough season in the back end at safety last year. Brian Branch could be a player at Alabama. A lot of options here for the Packers. But we gave some options. Will they tap into free agency? 
Another question, like the Steelers. Do they ever? If they lose um, Rodgers' money, how much are they going to have to pay if they trade him, by the way? What's his dead cap look like on a trade? It's not egregious. Um, where are they in this? They're a team that doesn't have a lot of money or the ability to free up too much. So they don't have an awful lot of spending room. They're one of the 40. Yeah, they're one of the worst teams in the NFL in terms of having the capacity to spend this offseason. The Panthers are the other one. I got to check in on the rules. It says 40 pre-June 1st and 15 post-June 1st. Can you you can designate post-June 1st signings, but I don't think you can do that with a trade. I asked Brad about this and I can't remember what it was, what the answer was. Come on, Brad. I mean, to be fair, he answered. I just no, no. I'm just saying, Brad, come back and answer us quickly. Oh, I see. If they cut Rogers, it's only a hundred million dead money. Ninety-nine-seven. Yeah, he leaves behind forty point three million in dead cap in a trade. Uh, there's no way around the forty million hit if he's dealt before June. Okay. But the number gets bigger next year if he stays, so it won't stop. Yeah, they want it. out. It'll just be pay one out here. All right. What else about the Packers? Um, I mean, not much else other than the fact that I think that does limit them to this is a draft year for them, not free agent spending year. That's how they do it stylistically anyway. Right. And then they need to make a decision on Jordan Love picking up his fifth-year option sight unseen. Yeah. They have to do that before this season. You just do. You're just going to pick it up? Well, I mean, what is your alternative? You're trading away Aaron Rodgers. Just like, no, let's gamble. So you've got two years of figuring it out. Do you feel lucky? With Jordan Love. Yeah. Or do you take Anthony Richardson if he falls to 15? Oh, God. Everybody's picking a quarterback because we're in the building. Who's yeah. left? Let's start it over again. Let's do the whole – we like having this two-quarterback tension thing. Let's draft another one. Maybe Anthony happens. Richardson would inspire Jordan Love to an MVP caliber season. Well, I wouldn't worry about it because CBS says he's going number one overall. That's a good point. Just CBS. All of CBS is saying that. Mm-hmm. Any other questions on Green Bay? Nope. Gave him some options. Almost fixed. All right, let's wrap it up. Minnesota Vikings. Garrett Bradbury is a free agent at center. Dalvin Tomlinson on the defensive line. Patrick Peterson. Chandon Sullivan. Another team that has most of their starters returning this year. Yeah. um, They have quite a lot of players not returning, though, and in fairly important positions. Like, they're... Some big names. I mean, big names for their positions relative. Yeah, and quite a lot of important parts of this team. Like... Most of the cornerback room is disappearing, and the ones that are left were not huge impact players for them last year. They, they're going to have Cameron Dantzler. They're going to have Andrew Booth Jr., the rookie from a year ago who didn't feature much. There's so much unknown about this team. Like, Lewis Seen barely played, was on special teams, broke his leg in the, the London game against the Saints. Um, you would assume they have to still have hopes for him going forward, but total unknown at this point. Eric Kendricks is being talked about as being a potential cut candidate based off the shift in uh, scheme on defense. The fact that Eric Kendricks is now the wrong side of 30, the fact that he's coming off his worst year in a long time. Um, the two edge rushers that they have, Janelle Hunter and Zadarius Smith, both of those guys run a ton of money. Um, Third can- lowest effective cap space at the very moment for the Vikings. So certain some money has to be freed up somewhere. Yeah, and they have the ability to free it up. They can right. free up quite a lot of cash. They're in th- that sort of bucket of teams that doesn't have cash right now but has the means to restructure a lot of money and be reasonable, uh, which is usually where the Vikings are. I mean, this is dating back to Rick Spielman's time. They, they're they a team that tends to 
play it a little bit like the New Orleans Saints. They don't go full credit card mode, but they tend to be a team that's always a little bit tight when it comes to spending. They have enough cash to make a couple of big moves every year, and then that's it. So if they're going to do that, this is probably the year to do it on the basis of there aren't that many more players available that you would want. So pick your targets, go get them, and then you got to have a good draft again. Year two of uh, Kwesi, Adolfo Mensa taking over as general manager. They only have five draft picks heading into this year. We know Kwesi, he made a trade last year where he dropped from third, uh, 12 to 30 um, with, the, with the Lions. And, you know, that was, you know, our, our system said that was a good trade because you're picking up um, more players over time and the, the drop-off from 10 to 30 isn't drastic. I would expect more, uh, more trading down from him in the draft trying to accumulate more draft picks because they're only sitting there with five yeah i mean they're at the moment they're <laughs> the ridiculous win record this year given how good they actually were has them picking 24th which is not ideal for a team that's yeah. this flawed and it, like on paper right now as far as resource goes it's it's like the opposite of the bears who have all the draft capital plus more on the way yeah and all the money the vikings have to Cut players. Well, this was the yeah. downside to the approach they took last offseason, which is let's change the people in charge, but generally speaking, chart the same course, which is, I mean, there's very little to distinguish what they're currently doing from what they were doing when Rick Spielman was in charge, right? Which is, we, we're a good team. We're a middle-of-the-road type of team. We, this is how we operate, and we haven't changed that in a dramatic fashion. We're Kirk Cousins, a bunch of DBs. Right, Kirk Cousins is still the quarterback, we don't have a ton of spending space. We don't have a ton of draft picks. Um, we'll try and trade down, accumulate some more. But this is, like, it's more of the same. Kirk Cousins has, uh, he's in the last year of his contract. Again. Because he's <laughs> going to be a free agent. He's got the two void two void years at the end of his contract. But he'll have free agency again at the end of the season. So are the Vikings are a, te- a team that starts looking to the future here. Every year it's like, when you have Cousins... Do you draft the next quarterback? Other than, you know, a third rounder on Kellen Mond, yeah. do you actually draft the next quarterback and but they've been, prepare for that? they've been in better positions if they were going to take that swing than this year. True. Because they're picking so low. So, like, could they be a team that's interesting? So, it's a weird quarterback group. We've got these top four guys that we've been talking about as the, the opinions are going to be all over the place on them. It's going to be crazy. All four of them could go in the top ten. Any of the four, apparently, could go number one overall. They could slip. Like, who the hell knows? Then there's a gap. And then you've got Tanner McKee, probably which, the next guy up, who which might only love. we only we might be the only one. Right. The Renner loves. But regardless. Been. No, well, I think he's probably next up. But the point being, there's, there's a pretty. The board has him at 78. Right. But our next quarterback after McKee is 94. The point being, there's a huge drop between yeah. these top four guys and the next group. And the next group is like two guys long, and then there's nobody. Like this, this group of QBs gets thin fast. So if you're a team like Minnesota and you're not going to have a shot at any of the top four guys, I mean, if you love somebody like Tanner McKee in the second round, fine, or Hendon Hooker, and then that's kind of it. I would get Hendon Hooker in there, uh, Aiden O'Connell, uh, Purdue quarterback, could See, be intriguing, Clayton the... Toon from Houston. Like there's – a backup probably needs to get into the building in Minnesota through the draft. I think the problem is, have you seen Tanner McKee in person? He's got like the longest legs I've ever seen. He's a I mean, very not, large human being. Yeah. If you saw him in person, I think you'd immediately come around to Renner's 
love for the man. Oh, you think so? Yeah, oh, yeah. Like, if we saw him running around media row. You'd immediately like just Riley. take a look at him and go, oh, yeah, that guy. That that size, that length, I'm in. I, I'm on board. I'm sold on that. You you you, you know, you're, you're a man that appreciates tall people. I do. He's a really tall person. Um, what I, I was watching him recently. I was like, Renner, he's like all leg, too. He's got the longest legs I've ever seen. Yeah. He's probably got six foot ten, six foot eleven <laughs> legs, but small torso, small torso right. guy. Because he's only like six six, six seven, only. Small. Only right, only small six guy. six. It's a modern day uh, Osweiler, with a better modern arm. Day Osweiler. Os- Osweiler that's did not, not have a good that's arm. Not where you want to be. Um, anyway, gotta get a gotta get a QB in there. So anyway, I'm saying like this is not a great year to be in that position of oh maybe we should start thinking about quarterback now because you don't have a shot at the four guys that you might want and the next group is. Is a long way behind. What about the rest of the roster here? If you do lose an Eric Kendricks, I don't know how much they can do in free agency this year. Um, they might have to draft a center at 24. You don't always want to go in with um, with holes there, but you might. they might be one of those teams that's like center need, pick a center in the 20s, you know it's going to be a starter, generally a safe play mm. to do that. It's not bad value. That might be potentially in play there. I don't know if any of the centers, you don't have a Linderbaum or anything. Linderbaum right. would be a perfect fit this year. Yeah. They have that opportunity to replace uh, Bradbury, but uh, don't love the position they're in right they now. Need, they have a lot tied up in young players that they already committed to and hoping that those guys take a step forward. Like I would also bring back Duke Shelley based off the season that he had. Like he had, he made some ridiculous plays for that secondary all the way through the season. Like genuine game-defining plays where, okay, there were a lot of opportunity for players to make game-defining plays on the basis that seemingly every Vikings game came down to one play. So if you happened to make one late in the game, you were, generally speaking, changing the outcome in your favor. Um, but Duke Shelley made a ton of plays for them. I'd also be curious about bringing back Patrick Peterson. They, I think he's talked about wanting to go back or maybe wanting to end his career in Minnesota or something. Peterson is not an amazing man cover corner anymore. He just doesn't have that athleticism he has become very good zone guy though and maybe not quite as good as he thinks he is but is good so if you could bring back Patrick Peterson I think that would be an important like just stable force of in that cornerback group then you're hoping Andrew Booth takes a step forward if you could bring back Duke Shelley as well all of a sudden your cornerback group is actually not terrible um but the problem with that is you're are an they, old man now. Maybe. I was going to say, are, yeah. well, are they? That's the first question. Is Maybe. We assume yeah. that bringing in Brian Flores means you're going to run New England-style man-heavy scheme. That's what we do now. Is that actually the case? Or is Brian Flores going to take a look at what we have available to us and go, that's not going to fly. Like I'm not, I can't run that. We're going to have to make some changes. I can make some improvements over what was there last year, but we're not pivoting to like the New England defense. Yeah, something has to change defensively here they feel like a another one of those second wave of free agency teams it's kind of how they handled it last yeah. year so second wave are they another one of those david on yamada sheldon rankins to repl- not to directly replace dalvin tomlinson but to add depth there up front um ethan pochich is one of the he's the brown center that's hitting free agency he could be a replacement here if, maybe a cheaper version of bradbury the the nfl might pay bradbury because he was a first rounder maybe. right Although and not pay Pozik because he's a lot of bad play. I, I understand. Opinion. It's just 
kind of how the NFL works. Yeah, I mean, Conor McGovern has been solid. You could potentially sign him. Bradley Bozeman is a free agent. He was a guy that we liked being a a signing in Carolina. Took a little bit of time to get that gig. Like, There's a couple of capable starting centers out there that won't cost money. The chat suggests Davis Mills' neck plus Tanner McKee's legs. Wow. Equals giraffe. That would be impressive. (laughs) Maybe one of our Build Your Perfect Prospect segments. Yeah, we could do that. That's that. Who's we, got the giant torso? We need something in the middle for just a nine foot quarterback. I think I told you I had a I had a teammate who was about six foot two, <laughs> who had the same size torso as me. <laughs> and so when we would be sitting down for dinner or whatever, we would it would look like we were the same height. And then yeah, and he was real proud about his uh, torso size. Proud of it. Yeah. yeah, he's like, look, I got a lo- I, my torso is as long as yours. Just have short legs. Mm-hmm. So you could take my old teammate. Benjamin Harrison, grab his torso, Tanner be, McKee's legs. There's got to be a quarterback out there that just has an absurdly long torso compared to the rest of his body. Let us know. All right, we're, we're wrapping it up here Thank God. pretty soon. All right, here's the other elephant in the room. You win with good receivers here, man. You win with elite receivers yeah. in the NFL. We're giving every team more receivers, more pass game options and all that. I like the TJ Hawkinson deal. I like that they still uh, – Irv Smith's going to be – is he technically a free agent? He's a free agent. So I like Hawkinson coming in. Good deal. Justin Jefferson's awesome. Adam Thielen's getting older. What are we going to do there? Thielen's making 14-plus million this year, almost 15 uh, per season. We need more options at receiver mm-hmm. if you're the Vikings. Yeah, K.J. Osborne was solid. Um, I think he's kind of become their second receiver at this point, even though he operates a lot from the slot. Uh, and, and Adam Thielen plays on the outside, but they're kind of swapping in, uh, levels of importance within the offense. Yeah, if you can get an Adam Thielen successor, and honestly, I'd be fine with that being your first-round pick, I would go for it. So maybe a first-round pick at receiver. Keep Thielen around him. It's, it's $13 million in dead money if you traded him or cut him. I've seen – I saw a mock that had Jordan Addison going to the Vikings in the first round. That would be an amazing – That was what we did the that. other day, right, with McShay? Maybe that was it. Yeah, that's um, I think we definitely talked about that a little bit. That would be a phenomenal result for them. Like, I think Jordan Addison's the best receiver in this draft. If he was there at 24, that would be incredible for Minnesota. I would potentially do that rather than trade down. Did you have a radio hit at 233? Because I've been tagged that I'm going to be on radio at 230 today. No, I don't believe so. So and, that means uh, I'm uh, definitely not. That means it's Columbus, right? It's the Columbus one. Yeah, yeah they're always three minutes after it's always, the thing. Yeah. No, but it says me. it's me, but I don't know if they just tagged me instead of you. Nope. Or if this me. was booked without me knowing. That would be great. But I can't do that. I'm busy. <laughs> Cannot do that. It's not me. No. So anyway, just wondering. Just wondering. I hate mm-hmm. when that happens. I would like Addison at receiver. I'm good with that. And then you got to fill some of these other holes with uh, second-tier free agents. And then trade down as much as you can in the draft. Mm-hmm. I might give up Addison just to trade down and pick up other picks and grab a second-round receiver. It, it's bad process by me. But if Addison was there and we're on the clock, it would take a lot for a trade offer for me I to know. come off that. What about Jalen Hyatt just as a deep threat? I mean, do you want – if Jefferson's your do-it-all, everything guy, what, what's, what's the best compliment for Justin Jefferson? Is it a, is it a speed receiver that has to well, be accounted for? Because, is it just yeah. the best receiver? Yeah, because he can do everything. I just want another guy that can do as many things as possible and just cause problems by what all those guys can do. That's why I think Jordan Addison is your guy. He can do everything really well. 
post June first, Adam Thielen, you save almost seven million. Uh, seven million in dead cap, but you save thirteen. Yeah. So there's there's potential things happen with Adam Thielen here this season. It seems like Quasi's got a little bit of cap cleanup to do. Yeah, in Minnesota, they got some work to do. But again, the that's, that's the way they vote. But I think. I, I, it's his own doing too, though, because they push Cousins out. That's what I'm saying. Like, it'll be interesting to see if he does start to take a very different approach to even just contract structures and whether they're going to change how they manage the cap going forward. I think the same guy uh, is still in charge of their salary cap that's been there for like decades. Rob Brzezinski or something is his name, I think. Yeah. That guy's been there for years. So I, I think he's still there. All right. So there we go. We fixed the Vikings. Yeah. Perfect. You're just rolling with Cousins. I mean, we don't have much of a choice. Like, again, the, the, what are your the, uh, decisions have been made. Yeah, Brzezinski is still at the uh, Minnesota Vikings. He's been there since 1993. No, no, sorry, 1999 with the uh, Vikings. I bet he's going to be in their Hall of Fame. Yeah? Yeah. Up, upper wing or right? No, no, no. That's probably reserved for players. Moss? The upper wing. Yeah. yeah. Like, Randy's got his own wing. That's it. <laughs> Him and John Randall. Um. Attack that secondary, too. Yeah. They might be able to steal some man coverage corners. I would like Cameron Sutton there. If they could spend money, Cameron Sutton could be a good player there. If you were, I mean, a position sufficiently high up within this team, Kevin O'Connell or Kwesi, and you had just made the, the Brian Flores hiring for defense, what would your approach be to, I have a, I have a defensive personnel room that is very non-suited to your scheme, but I just hired you. What what would your instruction be? Would you be like, don't worry, we're going to go yeah. out to the supermarket and we're going to bring you a whole bunch of new ingredients that fit your system? Or would you be like, look, we already did this. We already brought in all the ingredients. You're just going to need to learn how to cook something different. We, we have a few minutes here before the 1230 out. I'll say this. I, I, I want to learn more when I'm at Sloan in a couple weeks because I, my, I think the NFL overrates scheme. I think they overrate, right? Like when you ask a coach and general manager and it's like, how are you picking players in the draft? It's like, well, I have to find people that my coach likes and fits and schemes and all that stuff. Um, I think it's overrated for a couple of reasons. I think coaches are good enough to adjust, right? I think coaches have shown they can run different things, right? You can run zone, you can run man, you can pressure, you can rush four. Like it's okay that coaches can adjust. I don't think all of them are so locked in. Like Dan Quinn in with the Cowboys, completely different system than he was running in Atlanta. It's doable to change. So I think I think the NFL overrates scheme. I think you could go to Flores and say, if you really want to play man coverage, we're a year away. Let's work our way up to that, right? You still have like cover two in the playbook. You just <laughs> use it more this year and less next year, right? That's all a usable, that's a doable conversation. But why I brought up Sloan is the NBA, I think, they think about play style a lot. And they're pretty forward-thinking as far as the um, analytics and all that stuff. But I don't know if, if it just applies to the NBA more and it makes sense for them to think about it. But to me, I think it's overrated in, in well, the NFL. I think it's critical for how players are going to perform. But where I think... The potential issue is relative to the NBA is you can think reasonably simply about how five guys are going to interact and build the whole thing around that, the interaction yeah. of five dudes, knowing that you got but that's what the, But that's what they're studying. They're, in the NBA, yeah. they're studying the interaction of five players on the court. I know. What I'm saying about the NFL is this. Instead of saying, I have two players, 
in a vacuum, this guy's better than that guy, but the guy that's worse is a better scheme fit. Too many times I think they lean on the scheme fit, which is going to change year over year, which is going to change when you fire the coach or he gets hired somewhere else. If you keep taking the best theoretical players and then fit the scheme to them, I think it's going to be better in the long term. That's right. my theory. It's tough to prove, but I think the NFL thinks too much about my scheme and what I need to do and I don't know if that's the right course of action. But I think it's comparatively easy to think of how five guys interact together, knowing that most of them are not going to get injured for any significant period of time. And that's kind of what we're doing versus I have 23 dudes that need to fit into a system. And I can't think about how all of them are going to interact. There's too many. It's too complicated. It's too ridiculous. We basically, this is what we're going to run. So now I need a bunch of people that can work in this system. And if that doesn't work, now I've got to do, start doing all kinds of plate spinning to get this whole thing to work together. I think that is why scheme works the way it works generally in the NFL because it's too complicated trying to figure out well, how 11 guys are going to optimally mesh together. So it's much more simple to just say, generally speaking, I want guys to play in a man-heavy system. Get me those guys. Or generally speaking, we're going to play zone. We want zone specialists. That's what the thing is going to look like. So I just, I, I'm confused by this hire because it's the antithesis of what they've been doing and therefore all the players that they have in that room. And I don't know if your, your sort of instruction to Flores is change, run something different because we don't have the guys that you need, or if they're going to run that and it suffer through a year of everyone playing like crap because we don't have the bodies yet. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see. I don't know. I mean, I don't hate changing schemes, but you just have to, you have to under, there has to be a plan for what the pain points look like. What you described, I call, is like uh, why Jihad Ward continues to get jobs. Yeah. As like a backup a defensive lineman, right? There's, he's a guy that by our numbers is going to be average to below average, but he played 740 snaps for the Giants, and he went over there because he knows Wink Martindale, and he knows the scheme, and he's got a little bit of positional flexibility. And there's never like a season where Jihad Ward was great, but... He's got almost 3,000 career snaps as a rotational defensive lineman. Like, you need those guys on your team. Mm -hmm. So, Breaking news? Yes, there is. Friend of the show-ish, uh, Taylor Lewan announced on his own podcast, Busting with the Boys, that the uh, Titans are going to release him, which he's basically said is going to happen for months now. So, just confirmation. He's the source? Yeah. Did you confirm that with a second source? No. Okay. That's probably fair. I, good enough. I am a qualified journalist, but I don't practice journalism, so I, I just shoot from the hip. So there you go. Perfect. Um, so Taylor Lewan is out on the market. I would, I would give him to a bunch of teams. Despite his uh, misinformation that he's been spreading, <laughs> I think he's a good left tackle in the NFL. Yeah. I would put that aside. Always graded well. And uh, sign him. I would sign Taylor Lewan and uh, Kelvin Beecham. We never teams. asked him actually whether whether his agent has ever paid us for money for for grades. He's always graded well. Yeah, maybe that one year, but he was really good. Right, twenty sixteen. Maybe You've we always did get graded some money. well. Has your agent been kicking money in, or why do you think Neil's just living on an island right now? He's getting all that extra twenty five grand a piece for uh, from agents. Hmm. That's why. That's a joke. It's not true. Well done. He lives in Cincinnati. <laughs> Thank yes. you. Yeah. All right, it's time to go. Yeah. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. We fixed all your teams. We're halfway through the league. We'll do more. Coming up soon, but for real, we'll be here tomorrow probably with uh, you and Brad. Mm -hmm. All right, we'll see you tomorrow.